Hey there, welcome to another edition of What Barry's Talking About from Barry 360. I'm Dan Blakely. On this week's program, anytime someone brings up the water supply in Barry, social media lights up with stories about the taste, its hardness, its color. Now the city wants residents to weigh in officially on a survey on the city's water. The Kempenfeld community players are back with a new play opening soon. If you like the band Queen, you're going to like what they have in store. The lineup being rounded out for this summer's Boots and Hearts Festival at Burroughs Creek. We get an update. And we bring you the moment a local singer found out she'll be on stage at Boots and Hearts. But first, she ruled the roost in Mississauga for 36 years, retiring as one of Canada's longest-serving mayors at age 93, a feisty, no-nonsense champion of the people, and a role model for many politicians, former Barry Mayor Jeff Lehman among them. First thing that comes to mind, sir, when you think of Hazel. Maybe the most popular Canadian politician ever. Um, Hazel is just a legend at all levels of government, and she's somebody who went far beyond being a mayor. I mean, she became a sort of Canadian icon, and for good reasons. I mean, she had this sort of effortless popularity that came from being herself. Uh, because she was just such a ball of energy and so committed to her community and the and the people that lived there. A lot of politicians who have been committed to their communities, you would be among them, but are there any who have been as committed as she? Well, there are lots of long-serving mayors, but I think one of the things that was special about Hazel was she had a connection with people that, that was just sort of instinctive and automatic. I, I told the story on the weekend on Twitter of walking from Union Station in Toronto up to Toronto City Hall with Hazel, and it took an hour because we kept getting stopped by people to get their picture with her, and I just took the pictures. Nobody knows who I am. But, uh, you know, it was all kinds of different people, people from all different backgrounds and clearly from different communities and walks of life. And they knew who she was, and they loved her. And she made an impact with pretty much everything she did, whether it be politics, hockey, or, as, as you say, just walking along a pedestrian mall. Yeah. I think Hazel was a true believer, and this is her impact on me, you know. She was just an absolute true believer in the ability of municipalities to make the world a better place. She was a tireless advocate for uh, municipal government, local government. Her commitment to the belief that local government is the closest to the people, it's the most practical and pragmatic and therefore rewarding and, and powerful in terms of our impact on people's lives, that's really inspired me. Let's zero in on that then. What did you learn from watching her over the years and from your interactions through the Association of Municipalities of Ontario and the Big City Mayors Group? <laughs> well, I would say not to stay in your lane. You know, Hazel uh, was never afraid to take on new issues, to take on the provincial government in particular or the federal government where she felt uh, they could be doing a better job. And that local uh, politicians, because we're nonpartisan, really can speak for our communities. We can be the voice of the people in our towns and cities. And, uh, you know, I hate that expression, stay in your lane. And I, I learned from Hazel, uh, you don't need to. In fact, you can make your biggest impact often as a mayor by uh, reaching out to other mayors, acting collectively. And that's why she was the chair of Ontario's Big City Mayors for decades, uh, because she helped to organize us and we all supported her in our efforts to push the other levels of government and, and try and make our towns and cities a better place. Would that be the takeaway for all mayors across the country, even provincial and federal politicians? Well, I hope so. I also think her legacy is... Um, she, she never forgot that her our primary job is to represent all of the people 
that we that live in our communities and and to keep her eye on on how our decisions would affect people's lives. I mean, I think all too often when you're in politics for a long time, you can start to live in the Queen's Park bubble or the Ottawa bubble or the City Hall bubble, and that's real. You can start to see the sort of inside baseball as the most important issues. And it's not. Inside baseball is just the way of getting things done for, for people uh, in the community. And she always, I think, kept her ear close to the ground, and that's one of the reasons she was so popular. So that's an important lesson for all of us, too. She never backed down, and she took no prisoners. Sure didn't. Hurricane Hazel uh, was an understatement. <laughs> she, <laughs> the, you know, the story used to go that, that people would quickly close their office doors when she was stalking the halls of Queen's Park because they knew she was there and impossible to say no to. Uh, I'm not sure whether that was true, but I know she was respected by everybody at all levels of government. We're sorely going to miss her. Hazel McCallion served 12 successive terms as mayor of Mississauga and was always a landslide choice. A big lineup and a big change to this year's Boots and Hearts Festival at Burroughs Creek. Barry 360's MJ gets the goods from Brooke Dunford, talent buyer for Republic Live, which puts the festival together. Who are some of the big acts that we can expect this year? We're very excited. We have uh, some of the fan favorites and just some of the best entertainers in the world. We have Keith Urban and Tim McGraw, and then our Canadian very own rock band Nickelback, which we are thrilled to introduce to the Boots fam. It's the party crowd. It's the, uh, you know, the Canadian family and community that we are. So we're very excited to have them this summer, as well as Tim Hicks and Dal Smith. And uh, it's going to be a pretty legendary weekend. And I understand there's some new acts that you want to announce that are, are, are coming down the pipe? There are. So our headliners we've announced in November, and now we get to release the entire lineup top to bottom. And this year is super special. I think the pandemic taught us that while pausing for three years, there's a lot of artists that have never played the festival that came out um, into the industry in the last couple of years, which I'm so proud of, and they've never played. So actually over half of our lineup is brand new. And we're so excited. We've got, you know, Tyler Joe Miller and Tim and the Glory Boys. And we have Travis Denning, who has never played, and Riley Green, who has never played. And it's just a community of new artists that um, our fans are known to be some of Canada's uh, greatest fans that everyone comes to Ontario um, to see. So we're just excited for these artists to be a part of our Boots fam and see the energy of Boots and Hearts. So they're all sort of like brand new artists that just emerged in the past couple of years. How did you hear about them? Did you hear from fans saying, oh, you got to check out these people or these people who put out albums and they're amazing? How did you find them, I guess? Yeah, we're always like following and listening. We love focusing on emerging artists. But then there's also just some artists that have absolutely killed it in the last two years where... Um, they worked hard from their rooms at home during the pandemic and put out music and the fans just really appreciated that connection as they were home. So when you look at, you know, the the new artists that are just blowing up, we have Josh Ross coming. We have uh, one of our artists from the Emerging Artist Showcase, Owen Wrigling, coming up. And it's it's been really great to watch. The fans tell us who they love, right? We're just talking to them 24-7. So we're listening out there and we always want to know who you want to see and we will do everything we possibly can 
to make it happen year after year. It's really something that's important to us. And having Nickelback, that's definitely a different spin. What was the motivation behind having like some Canadian rock in there? I would say one of our fan favorites, um, we saw Hardy play in 2019. He was top of the day and our fans just really gravitated to him. We, we knew that he is a big fan of rock. He himself has now come out with a rock country cross genre. And when we were looking to see what that day was going to look like based off of an artist that we have a great relationship with, we, we just thought how amazing would it be as a, you know, Canada's largest camping festival and just one of um, something that we really want to put in front of everyone as Canada's premier festival. Uh, let's see what Nickelback's doing. And they were coming back so strong with a new album and the response was fantastic. And, you know, the TikToks of the world were, were excited about it. And, and we just took a risk and supported the cross genre movement happening. And, you know, Bailey Zimmerman on that day is just another one that is uh, carving his own and really uh, embracing this new um, this new sense of rock and country and and party music that you can enjoy with your friends. And I we're really excited to it's never really happened before for us and certainly for some of the artists that are in rock or country. This this mix is going to be pretty, pretty fun. What goes into making this such the huge thing that it is. I think we're just super fortunate that it is known and we're really, really proud of making the mark for Canada. We have U.S. artists come up and they tell us the same thing and and that's really special to us. But I think at the end of the day, it truly isn't even a decision you can make. We're just thankful the fans cared about it and it's the fans that make it what it is. They make it bigger every year. Uh, we just want to constantly deliver for them. So we've been lucky to, you know, push the boundaries and say, who, what can we do for them? What can we do for them? And it's this collaborative, you know, they show up, we want to do better. They tell us what they love and they, you know, give us the feedback and we listen. So it's really just been this, uh, this great friendship with our fans that have made it what it is today. And we're just super thankful. They're so excited about it and they, they make us so excited about it. Boots and Hearts hits the stage at Burroughs Creek, August 10th to 13th. Click on bootsandhearts.com for details and ticket information. And how about that moment you find out your dream is coming true? Brooke had a video chat this week with Parker Gray, an Aurelia singer who would love nothing better than to be on stage at Boots and Hearts. Guess what? I was wondering what you were doing Boots and Hearts weekend if you wanted to come perform this summer. Yes! <laughs> Does my team no, know? We just, no, <laughs> we didn't tell anyone. Oh my god, they're gonna they're gonna shit their pants. They're literally <laughs> gonna shit their pants. This is bananas! Oh my god! I yeah, like, I hope you're free. We didn't check. We didn't do anything. We just I thought, am not. Call I, and find out. Honestly, I don't even care. I would be there. <laughs> it wouldn't even matter. I would be. I would be there. Oh my yeah, well, god! Just a little excited. That was an edited version of the conversation, which Parker was speechless for most of. Wish we could show it to you here, but keep an eye on Barry360.com. We'll be posting it there. In the meantime, here again is MJ in conversation with Parker after the shock, after the tears. I was told I was doing an interview for um, being one of their artists to watch for the year, and it was all a sham. <laughs> and they completely surprised me with Brooke from Boots and Hearts and um, asked me to come play the festival this year, which was one of the things that's been on my goals since 
you know, I don't know, since Boots and Hearts became a thing. And they surprised me and asked me to come play this summer on home turf. And I'm like, I like even think, oh my God, I'm going to cry again. Um, yeah, it's, it's so cool. And I feel so honored and blessed. And I mean, this is like such a dream come true. And I'm completely independent and things like this are just so special when they happen. And oh man, I'm so like shook from it all. And it's important that you say that, that you are an independent artist, right? Like, how long have you yeah. sort of been in the scene? So, I've been doing music for over 10 years. I actually started in pop and, like, rock electro, oddly enough. And I grew up on country music, but I couldn't find my way. I, like, stumbled quite a bit. Um, but it wasn't until 2017 that I wrote Do Over, which is the first single I ever released. And, and that kind of changed everything. And as I was writing that song, I realized, like, my passion for, like, storytelling and authenticity and, like, showing up and, and telling my own personal story versus just writing things. When I wrote pop, I just felt a little bit, it didn't feel as fully authentic to me, and I couldn't figure out why, and wrote Do Over, and that was the catalyst. And, and so we started releasing music in 2019, and here we are. It's been a bananas ride. Like, the last year, it has been, like, if you told me five years ago, like, these would be the conversations I'd be having, and I'd be, I'd be having the success that I, I have had, I would not have believed you. Like, it is incredible. Like, I am just floored. That's amazing. And like you said, this is a dream venue, and you, you know, being from Aurelia, know all about Boots and Huts. I'm sure grew up with it oh and, and everything. So how does your family feel about it? And you're a local, you're a local girl hitting the big stage. Oh, oh my gosh, everyone is freaking out. Like, my parents are like they go to bed at like seven PM. Like they're like, We will we will come at any time. Like they're excited and I think like I had thrown this idea around about wanting to play the festival and my dad's like, That's a big festival. I'm like, I know, it's crazy. So I think it's gonna be a really cool to see the local support because I know at least fifteen people that have already bought tickets that are excited to be there. So it's I, honestly, it's so special. Like I can't even. I don't even think I've fully. Um, I I don't think I've fully comprehended the like weight of it all yet. Like and how cool that's really going to be because I've never played on home turf. So it'll be the first time I've ever played on home turf at the biggest festival in Canada. So it's going to be kind of crazy. This might be jumping the gun because then you got a lot of preparation. But what's your sort of plan to mentally prepare and and and, and also just in, when it comes to the logistics of uh, of doing it yeah i mean i've got a lot of work ahead of me holy moly um well, we have great music out we have great music that's coming out so we're going to share obviously that and then um a couple new ones that i think deserve that that opportunity and Finding a band, and I mean, I've been very lucky that I've thrown myself into the country music scene here in Canada, and um, I have lots of people who I think will be really very much willing to support me in this journey, and I do have management, and they're amazing, and they're going to all obviously support in the process, but it's going to be a lot of rehearsing, a lot of just like trying to make this show the best that I could make it um, with the resources I have, and, and just put my heart and soul into it, really. You see, some dreams can come true. Our congratulations to Parker, and we look forward to seeing her on the Boots and Hearts stage this summer.
What Barry's Talking About is a weekly podcast featuring the best Barry has to offer and more. We've covered a lot of ground since we began in mid-July. Met Lee Kittajew of Barry, who's making a name for himself and the city in the world of jiu-jitsu. Explored the world of wrestling in Barry. And learned how the What Three Words app can help get you found when you've lost your way. You can get caught up and make it easy to keep up in the future by subscribing to What Barry's Talking About through any podcast distributor. Still to come on what Barry's talking about, three games in three days for the Barry Colts last weekend. How did they do? And how did they manage to draw three games in three days again this weekend? We'll learn more about Barry's water survey, and the Kempenfelt community players will rock you on stage again soon. Now this. It's cool to care. Calling all curlers. Gildas Club Simcoe Muskoka wants to show you how much curling rocks. The Red Door Curling Bond Spiel, presented by Painted Door Realty, will be held at the Barry Curling Club Saturday, February 25th. Whether you're a beginner or expert curler, everyone is welcome. Enjoy a fun-filled day, including two 8N games, morning coffee, lunch, and prizes, with all proceeds staying local and supporting anyone impacted by cancer in our community. Hurry hard and help demonstrate that community is stronger than cancer. For more information, go to gildasclubsimcomuskoka.org. Cool to Care is brought to you by the Peggy Hill Team. Keeping it real all the way to sold. Reach out now at peggyhill.com. It's Cool to Care with 107.5 Cool FM. This is what Barry's talking about from Barry 360. I'm Dan Blakely. We drink it, bathe in it, cook with it, and complain about it. A lot. The City of Barry reaching out to residents for their thoughts on the water supply through an online survey on the city's website. Barry 360's Ian McLennan put a call in to Diane Morrow, the city's manager of water operations, who was happy to stop by to talk about the survey and address some of the myths around the water supply. Why is this being done and um, what are you looking for in, in the results? Yeah, we're really trying to gauge where the pulse is with our customers and, and customer satisfaction with our tap water. You know, we're hoping to get these results, see if there's some opportunities for us, some opportunities for improvements and hopefully targeting our, you know, our education and outreach program and with the hopes of increasing our customer confidence in tap water. Now, when we flip on the tap, I mean, there, there, there's the water and, you know, we, and a lot of us probably don't give a lot of thought to, you know, where it comes from or how, how it goes from point A to point B. Where does the city of Barrie source its water from? So the city of Barrie has two sources of drinking water. Um, so if you were to draw a line across the city of Barrie, north and south, you know, around Kempenfelt Bay, um, that being the southern limits of the northern portion, um, the northern portion of Barrie gets their water from deep groundwater wells. And the southern portion of the city of Barrie gets their water from surface water. So Kempenfelt Bay, Lake Simcoe. And are there any times where, you know, with the wells have a lifespan or, um, you know, what sort of uh, changes are possible? Our, uh, I think our first groundwater monitor, groundwater well, sorry, was installed in the 60s. And I think with our... Um, very robust source water protection policies that the city of Barrie has and our investment in infrastructure, our really good um, preventative operation and maintenance practices. Um, those wells should last us for a very long time. Have you heard before, and people have uh, responded on our Facebook page and when we indicated there was this TAP survey, uh, they felt that certain parts of the city's water actually was different than other parts of the city in terms of uh, calcium or sediment or hard water. Is that something that's that's actually the case? Absolutely, absolutely. So as we mentioned earlier on the north end of Barry that's supplied by groundwater wells, our groundwater is very hard. And so the hardness is calcium and magnesium. 
And those are minerals, naturally occurring minerals that are in the water. Um, so the water on the north end of Barrie is certainly much harder than that on the south end that gets it from Kempenfelt Bay. People have mentioned, let's say, the hard water calcium sediment. Are there things that the city can do to make changes to improve the quality, or do you need to know what, what the concerns are first? With respect to hardness specifically, a lot of residents have softeners in their homes that can help mitigate that. Um, it would be very cost prohibitive for the city to do that. Given we have 12 uh, locations, we would actually have to put treatment systems in place for um, to treat the, the hardness of the water. There was also a question asked if there's fluoride in the water. So no, the city does not fluoridate um, uh, and has never actually put fluoride in the water. There, there might be some naturally occurring fluoride. However, we do not fluoridate our drinking water. Now, when you get the uh, survey results, where, where, where does it go from there? And um, you know, when will the public see uh, you know, the response from the city to uh, the survey itself? The survey closes in a couple of weeks, and uh, once we receive the results of those surveys, we'll take some time to look at the information provided um, with the intent of going back actually to council with the, the results of the survey and looking at are there some areas that, you know, there could be some improvements that we're just not aware of um, as much as the city um, has been able to achieve 100% with the Ministry of Inspection on our drinking water um, quality, there might still be some opportunities for improvement uh, in areas that, you know, there might be some color issues or there might be some private plumbing issues that we could help troubleshoot. So we're looking for those opportunities that we'll present back. And then, you know, again, back to expanding our education and outreach programs and and hopefully instill um, or increase that customer confidence again in our drinking water. And uh, people who uh, live in businesses or high-rises, we also saw concern that the water just has a different taste. Is it something, maybe it's not the quality of the water, but could be the infrastructure within the building itself? Absolutely, yes. So in those circumstances, we would really encourage people to still contact the City of Barrie Water Operations Branch so we can investigate that further. And so as part of that process, we would go out and ensure there isn't something with the drinking water coming into the building. And so we would... Um, investigate that and also troubleshoot with the individual property owners themselves. How often is drinking water tested in Barrie? Um, it depends on the parameter, but it's it could be sampled as frequently as every minute with some online monitoring instruments that we have to weekly, monthly, quarterly. So it's stipulated by the Ministry of Environment how often we have to sample our water. So it just depends on the parameter. So something like bacteriological is sampled every week. Are you a tap water person? <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, yes. You can access the water survey at barry.ca slash water services. The Kempenfeld Community Players return to the stage February 9th with We Will Rock You, featuring more than 20 hit songs by Queen. Julie Underhill is directing the show, among other things. Julie, this sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. This is probably the most fun I've had in a long time. And, I mean, especially since, you know, we've been a couple years or two and a half years waiting to come back to the stage live because we finished with Mamma Mia in February 2020. We just got that in. So, um... Yeah, so it's great to be busy again. So this is like Mamma Mia, but now we're taking Queen to task, right? Correct, right. They're both uh, they're both jukebox musicals, really, because it's a it's a you know a, a, a series of songs by an individual artist or band. So it's that same style. But as a board, when we decided on what the uh, title would be to come back, we all felt we need something fun, lively. People are going to want to come out and sing along and just feel like 
they'll leave the theater and they're not sure, did I go see a musical or did I go see a rock concert? That's our goal. And is that the idea, to get the crowd going as well, get them singing with you and clapping along? I think that this cast, with this cast and performing, um, I think there will be moments where there will be people in the crowd that just can't stop themselves from uh, clapping or singing along as well. Um, there are definitely spots built into it, and especially the dynamic end with a chain of four well-known selections to end off the show. Uh, I think the audience will find that. And then there's really gentle moments, uh, the lovely ballads that we have, and um, and there's a lot of humor mixed in. There's some funny one-liners in there and the way the script has been written around to join the songs together. And this is set, what, 300 years in the future? Yes, yeah, so that's the idea that um, it is 300 years in the future. It is um, a corporation ruled trying to control everyone so that there's this, um, everyone thinks the same, looks the same, dresses the same. But we have this uh, group of bohemians, some rebels, who have uh, visions and uh, have found junk from the past, and they know that there's this idea of rock and roll, but they don't know much about it. And they know that there's this dreamer potentially out there who can lead them to it. And so, you know, that's where they'll find if they found posters or names of, of uh, past artists and they're trying to find it. And meanwhile, the corporation, GlobalSoft, is trying to stamp them out. I have visions of, of the Queen song Radio Gaga and them flying around in that saucer thing through the video. Oh, yes. So uh, we won't be flying around, but uh, we have some uh, amazing choreography. And Radio Gaga is one of the opening numbers. And uh, our choreographer, uh, Kieran Day, he... Uh, he he didn't hold anything back in uh, choreographing this show. And he's asked a lot of our cast. There are many... Uh, Many people in the group who are not dancers or don't come from a dance background, but he um, asked a lot, gave a lot of instruction, and they've really risen to the challenge. And uh, Radio Gaga is a, is a very fun number uh, that you'll see right off the top. And you've been in rehearsals now for how long? So we started rehearsing October 2nd, and uh, all through uh, October, November, it was... Um, uh, nine hours of rehearsals a week, so three rehearsals, three hours sets. And then in uh, December, we added the afternoon of um, Sundays. So we've been uh, rehearsing 12 hours since then. And we've just reached that tipping point. Uh, and I always like this when rehearsing with a cast where you now see the, it coming together and you just want to perfect it. So now we have cast members requesting the rehearsal hall to be open an hour ahead so they can come in and do their own review of choreography so that's an exciting point to be at and you get to move into the theater to rehearse soon you were yes, saying yes we move in uh this friday and uh we start what's called tech week uh the first weekend is very uh intense uh it is 12 hour days on the saturday sunday for the tech crew not not necessarily the cast but we will work with the uh technicians at uh, georgian theater who are fantastic uh they're very excited to uh, support us with the sound and light. So we will spend uh, half of our days on the weekend uh, spiking the stage, setting lights, and that. And then we will also then bring in the cast for half of those days to do uh, what's called a sits probe, where we will run the music with the band. We have an amazing six-piece band. And uh, so we'll get those levels, and then we do what's 
called a cue to cue um, so we can check all the lights and sound before we run our dress rehearsals. Is this when the butterflies start or is everybody so ingrained in it now that that's a distant thought? For butterflies? Yeah, butterflies, oh, getting ready, I, the nerves. Oh, I think there's always butterflies. And I've done community theater for probably about 40 years now. And I, I think if you don't have butterflies of some kind, um, then there's something missing there. Because I think that's really good. It keeps you fresh, keeps you on your toes. When can we see it? Where can we get tickets? Uh, give us all that information. Okay. So the show opens on February 9th and runs till the uh, February 19th. Uh, you can go to KempenfeltPlayers.com, our website, and it will link you to the tickets. Uh, you can also go to the City of Barrie's website for the theaters to get tickets. Um, you can get them at the box office that's located at the Five Points Theater. But otherwise, the links will take you to the uh, Ticket Pro site for uh, purchasing online. All right. And you're directing it, you said? Yes, I'm one of the directors. But you're not playing it. No, I'm not playing in it. I no. bet you wish you were, though. I definitely wish I was, yes. Tough schedule for the Barry Colts last weekend with three games in three days, but they did all right, winning two of them. They do the same dance this weekend. Barry 360's Will Conkin getting our weekly update from Colts color man and reporter Gene Pereira. We uh, talked about it last week prior to the Colts' three games and three days road trip that their first match would kind of set the tone and then they lost uh, 6-3 to Kitchener but rallied to take the next two over in Michigan. Um, seems like the group uh, really showed their uh, resiliency. Yeah, they bounced back nicely. Obviously that lost, loss to Kitchener was a tough one. It was close uh, heading into the third period and it's one that they felt they could have won but, uh, you know, Marty Williamson... Uh, the Colts head coach wasn't happy, I guess, with uh, their defensive play of, of, of late in terms of just, uh, he felt they were just playing a little bit too wide open. And you see that in the goals against that they've been given up, uh, you know, uh, but uh, much better effort. Uh, they won 6-4 in Flint and then a 4-1 win in Saginaw. And, uh, and of course, the big name, uh, the couple of big names popping up there was the play of Anthony Thornton that uh, was just outstanding. Uh, and the 4 1 went over Saginaw. He really kind of kept them in it until that third period when they're able to get going. Then, of course, uh, Captain Brant Clark, you know, uh, you know, just an outstanding weekend, recorded his uh, first hat trick of his career, junior career, in that 4 uh, 1 went over Saginaw. A couple of empty net goals there, but uh, uh, he's just been absolutely on fire and uh, had a 4.9 in that game. Now is that uh, 10 goals, 19 points in nine games, and uh, six of those goals and eight points came in this weekend alone, so it really tells us just how big of an impact he had. And um, he got uh, clipped in the, in the face, didn't he, and then was able to make a return. I think they were unsure if he was actually going to return for the next game, right? Yeah, in that Kitchener game, uh, he got a high stick up in the face, and uh, he was able to return uh, with a visor, then had, after the game, had some dental work done. It's amazing how these guys get work and they get right back in there. But, uh, you know, in talking to Brandt, uh, uh, you know, I asked him about how the visor, he just said he hated it. <laughs> but it didn't seem to affect his play. <laughs> you know, I, I wonder if you might want to keep the visor on after the type of weekend he had. But, uh, you know, he said he uh, obviously had to have it for a couple of games here, but uh, it didn't seem to affect his play. Will he need to um, still use that for the next set of games coming up? 
Yeah, that uh, you know, I, I guess depends with the, the swelling and so on and how much work. But I think he should be okay by this weekend uh, and have the visor back off. But uh, these guys have really kind of gotten used to, uh, you know, uh, not playing with those full visors. But uh, obviously teams, when there's any kind of injury up in the, in the facial area, uh, you know, they, 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 they put the visors there for protection. And the uh, the fun never ends for these guys. They have another three games in three days down in Oshawa Friday, back home Saturday against uh, Kingston, and then head to Sudbury on uh, Sunday. Uh, this seems like it'll be uh, another opportunity for them to show steadiness and uh, some more resiliency again during uh, quick turnaround games. Yeah, I think they have to. They open Friday in Oshawa, and uh, five or six games here over these past Two weeks ago, have been on the road, and uh, Oshawa's been playing much better hockey of late, even though they kind of turned to the future, and then they're back home Saturday against Kingston in, in, in Sudbury Sunday afternoon. But I think for Barry, uh, a team that they're looking to kind of hold off the Peets in that third spot in the conference, but more importantly, that if they have any hope of catching North Bay or Ottawa, which are in a battle for the top spot in the conference, uh, they really can't take the foot off the pedal. And, uh, both those teams have just been outstanding. North Bay's been red hot of late, so uh, for Barry, they're going to have to kind of keep the foot on the pedal here. And uh, just another big weekend, three and three. And uh, again, these games that when you get to that third game, especially the Sunday afternoon on Sudbury on the road arrival, uh, you really need to kind of have all four lines and three defensive pairings going. Uh, it's just back to back. You can't really lean too much on a couple of lines with uh, just the back-to-back-to-back games. Well, hopefully they can uh, stay steady throughout the weekend and have those strong legs uh, strong legs to finish off on Sunday. Yeah, there's some depth there in the lineup, and that's what they did, uh, especially on the back end uh, over the, uh, the trade deadline. And, uh, you know, uh, you get the likes of guys like Grizzoli and, uh, and Weigel and uh, Zach Weigel and... You know, players like that that really kind of bring that grit and uh, can provide key minutes. And uh, they were big this past weekend again, and uh, I'm sure they'll be uh, relied on heavily here as well with uh, these three games and three nights. Well, once again, hopefully we can get uh, see the Colts get some wins. Thanks again, Gene. Appreciate it. Thanks, Will. And that's our program for another week. Thanks to Ian, MJ, and Will for their input, to Matt Ladder for piecing it all together, and to you for taking the time to listen. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe to What Barry's Talking About, rate it, review it. You can also keep up with What Barry's Talking About on Facebook and Twitter at Barry360 and on our website, Barry360.com. I'm Dan Blakely. Hope you'll join us again next week.